I thought I was feeling better on um I don't know Sunday and then I felt yeah. and then I like fell apart on Monday like I was just like I started <laughs> up and I was just like oh my god and then I don't know anyway but I'm feeling better oh good okay. good 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 on defense on Sunday you were like I feel better I'm gonna clean the house I'm gonna start I this project I'm gonna start that the line oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. I had a lot of catching up to do, but mm-hmm. I, I'm still under the weather, so I gave myself the excuse not to get out of my jammies. So good, I'm good. Not- there's, there's no need to get, you know, worked up about failing tasks. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already on top. The life of a viral poem. We're back, and we are back. (laughs) 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 One second. I don't even know what the fuck day it is anymore. I'm just so lost in my life. How's it going for you? Uh, good. So we are in like full holiday festivities mode. So Lydia has decorated like the inside and the outside. And we went, we usually do like one kind of little family trip during December. So we went to Great Wolf Lodge. We did the indoor water park thing. Fun. Yeah, in the middle of winter, which is great. It was it was so warm and toasty in so many places. And there was like an outdoor hot tub. So it was chilly outside, but then we're in the hot tub. And like, it was so much fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I was just lying in bed. <laughs> nice pack on my head while you were riding the water slides. I see. I know. We, uh, our paths, like two roads diverged in the woods for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am like I am geared up for this. I feel like we've I am like too. we we took a little break and then we almost got back and then we had some stuff come up, but now we're back. So welcome yeah. to Table for Deuce, where we shoot the shit about all things lit. With me, as always, is Kate Hansen Foster. And I've because it's been a while, I totally have blanked out again on doing a roasty bio, sadly. I mean, I feel like you were already got roasted by life itself and we're enduring like an entire family sickness. So I let the universe roast you last week. We'll just call it even. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Thank you for that. You're such a good friend. Meanwhile, <laughs> Meanwhile I was roasting you all morning. Let's get to your books, right? Michael Schmelzer is the author of Empire of Surrender. Good Christmas present or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa if you want to um, share poetry with friends. Um, When Michael isn't writing though, he can be found participating in the current OnlyFans challenge, which is naked Christmas tree wrestling. (laughs) I am a subscriber. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. Those needles are never good. (laughs) but it's worth it it's worth it to keep my fans happy right gotta pay the bill somehow that's right because poetry is not doing it last 
episode, we were talking about timely versus timeless poetry, and that sort yeah. of led to uh, what, what poems might stand the test of time. So you suggested Good Bones, because that was so, a- yeah. Yeah. It was. So every now and then we're going to look at viral poems and poems that went viral or went mainstream or whatnot, whatever you want to say, but poems that became widely shared for whatever reason and see, since we were having that discussion on timely versus timeless poems, whether these poems are going to be a product of a certain time period or zeitgeist, or if they will be able to stand the test of time and see their way through generations and see if it holds up after the initial sort of impact of the poem. So the first poem we're gonna be looking at is Good Bones by Maggie Smith, uh, which came out back in 2016 originally, and then has been widely shared in that initial period and also makes a resurgence uh, every, I feel like I see it every three to four months three to six months it'll come back someone will share and it'll kind of circulate again so we're gonna check it out with some fresh eyes if you will and uh see how it goes so i'm gonna read good bones by maggie smith life is short though i keep this from my children life is short and i've shortened mine in a thousand delicious ill-advised ways a thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short, and the world is at least half terrible. And for every kind stranger, there is one who would break you. Though I keep this from my children. I am trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking you through a real shithole chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. Good Bones by Maggie Smith. So. I will, I will start and I'm gonna, I'm gonna use a different sort of a lens to kind of look at this. Um, so uh, I think one of the things that a viral poem has going for it is that there is a certain kind of simplicity to it that you can read it and you get it. And there's the sort of instant recognition, I guess you could say. So this poem, there isn't anything in it that requires me to go outside of the poem per se. Like everything that I need is right there in this poem and the emotions in it kind of feel just easily accessible. I feel like whether or not you are a parent, whether or not you have kids or little kids around you or you're a teacher, whatever you may be, I feel like there are things in this poem that are gonna make sense, especially the world is at least 50% terrible. I feel like all of us kind of get that sense at times. So I think there's that instant recognition that comes from a viral poem. This definitely has that going for it. I think the title is something that we've heard enough, at least in American vernacular, that is a phrase that is also recognizable. It's not a title that requires much of us as a reader 
It doesn't hold us at bay. It kind of immediately pulls us in. It's once again, it's familiar. There's a familiarity to everything in this work. One of the things that I didn't recall when I reread it this time was I didn't remember how much repetition was in this poem. Yeah. There is so much repetition in this poem. And that kind of surprised me. I only remember little bits of it because it's been viral and it's gone like through different cycles. So I kind of remember bits and pieces. I remember the gist of the poem and I remember kind of the message. And that's the thing that stuck. And that seems to be the lasting thing for me in this poem is that I don't remember really the techniques of the poem. I don't remember the specific things per se. I just remember that kind of feeling of the poem. Hmm. So I find that very interesting. Like there are certain poems where a line will stick with me. Like there are some poems that I've read that definitely haven't gone viral, but there's a line that I can remember. But with this per se, I can't exactly remember specific lines. I just remember the specific feeling of reading the poem. So it's a very different kind of experience as far as that goes. So I think that might contribute to part of that viral phenomenon as well. It's not necessarily anything that is particularly extremely well written in the sense that I can't forget a specific line, but it just so captures a very specific feeling or mood. So it, that is what I carry with me. So I, I think you're right. Um, uh, the repetition in this poem, I think, does most of the heavy lifting um, for the reader in the sense that every time a line is repeated, it's not it's not repeated exactly it's repeated just a little differently to give you like I think to invite all these new perspectives um and that's what makes it so accessible to readers so like you know like you said you don't have to be a parent I think to to get the sentiment here of of you know the sense of despair um whether it's you know because one thing that uh you know when this poem went viral it it just happened to um, be published at like right after the Orlando shooting, I think the mass mm -hmm. shooting. And so, you know, uh, just like people, you know, all the time are looking for some something that speaks that inner discontent with the way things are when things feel so helpless. And I think that's why this poem gave people so much comfort during that time. And I think that it's just, it's, you know, it's a very, specific and short like you said and the language is simple but it's also still vague enough that you could you could sort of swap in and out your own tragedy you know to speaking of things that that stick with you with this poem the one thing was shithole that was the one thing that I remember that this poem yeah kind of like catches you the like you know uh you know walking through a real shithole and it's like it's a little bit jarring, but also kind of like, wow, you know, it's just very bold mm -hmm. in your face, you know, while you're walking through a shithole, like kind of uh, disgust with the world. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that is why it, it has resonated so much with people. But one thing they find like super interesting is like this poem kind of contains everything that I think your standard poet tries to avoid like um hyperbole for one you know mm -hmm. some of these like these uh statistics that i know are meant to be metaphors in a way but um but the, you know just a lot of hyperbole a lot of indignation melodrama it's 
it, you know, it's kind of, those are things that, you know, as a poet, I, I tried to not go too into, and this one really mm -hmm. just, just really lays it on so thick and, and, uh, you know, people seem to really like that. You know, if you do the classic, like MFA workshopping of the poem, there are things you could say that I know for a fact would get torn apart. Like, I mean, there are some very, like you said, there are a lot of abstractions that make it somewhat vague. I mean, if you, for every loved child, a child broken, that is pretty vague. It's broken, it's just one of those abstract kind of words that doesn't really convey much beyond the word itself. It's just kind of there and it just kind of gives the general impression of being bad. And then you do have that more specific bagged sunk in a lake, which is that very like terrific, uh, like just horror yeah. that comes out from that. Um, but yeah, like you said, there is that sort of heightened a sense of like just emotion or like I mean a thousand delicious ill-advised ways like I do love the way that sounds mm -hmm. but I mean there is no specific says okay like what is it smoking is it drinking is it you know like whatever it may be it's kind of not it's not included it's there's enough like you said left to the reader to imagine their own lives within this yeah. like what are the ways that we are like you know living deliciously and you know whatever yeah right there's that sort of outward worldly destruction that's all you know that could be happening <laughs> versus like our you know our own vices and how you know all of us can look back to when we were young and stupid choices and things like that and I do mm -hmm. I mean I think it's smart to leave it vague I think that is part of why um you know because if this had some specific thing of like you know when I got my lower back tattoo <laughs> <laughs> That might, you know, so be like, well, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really apply to me um, <laughs> instead, you know, but you can take it. And if I, you know, I could say, well, my lower back tattoo. Yeah. I'll keep that as long yeah. as I can from my, <laughs> if we could just pivot just, just a little bit to talk about um, like the internet um, and mm -hmm. because I think that that, uh, I mean, obviously has to be a part of this conversation, you know, that's where it went yep. viral. So like the internet <laughs> and the, so the internet, you know, we're very, you know, we're of the generation, you know, we have to sort of reconcile that we grew up, you know, without computers, without internet. I mean, at least yep. the first part of my childhood, there was no computer. Mm -hmm. uh, I first went from a typewriter, then to word processor, then, you know, dial up internet. And by the time yeah. I had full blown access to the internet, I was an adult. So so I'm sort of, you know, torn, I think from this, and I know you're, you know, with your like wanting to get off social media, it's like, there's this, there's this inner struggle, I think, between wanting to utilize what the internet can do for us um, as writers, mm -hmm. and also this desire to go back to these like analog days. Um, this has all of the components of, I think, an, a good internet poem and, I think that enough people have amplified it um, in a strange way that um, it creates a momentum um, of groupthink. I think where it's like if enough people share something, then uh, then it it generates a momentum that almost 
tricks you into thinking something is better than it is. And I, I think this mm -hmm. is an excellent poem. I do like the poem. I really, really mm -hmm. do. There, if there's one thing I've learned as, as the internet continues to progress is that, uh, you know, everyone has a voice and everyone deserves to have a voice. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have long overdue voices now that we otherwise would not have heard if the internet did not exist. Uh, and that is so important. And I think, you know, over recent years, I used to be really vocal about things. Over recent years, I personally yeah. have taken a little bit of a back seat and realized that like, you know, you, you might have a voice, uh, but other, other times it really is important to just listen. And so mm -hmm. I do that a lot. A lot of, um, a lot of the like social injustices or, um, you know, things like mass shootings and stuff. Like I don't necessarily always have that knee jerk reaction to feel like I need to comment or insert my opinion on it. I realized like, you know, that sometimes you have to sit back and listen. So all of this is to say, I am a white woman. Mm -hmm. I am a mother, <laughs> um, just like Maggie Smith, right? Mm -hmm. um, and having sat back, having, having, been a listener more than a speaker, mm -hmm. I would say, on social media. Um, I read this poem with a, a new set of eyes, I think, maybe than I would have back in 2016, um, mm -hmm. because a lot of this, uh, you know, kind of, I, dare, I hate to say it, but reeks of white privilege. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, life is short though I keep this from my children. Uh, life is short and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious ill-advised ways. Um, not everybody mm -hmm. can say that, you know, um, mm -hmm. George Floyd can't say that. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of other people can't keep the harsh realities of the world from their children. It just is not mm -hmm. something that's possible. Um, and so when I read that through that lens of like, wow, well, like that's, you know, yeah, I guess I too am in a position where I could, I can shield my kids from a lot, or at least, you know, I, I understand the desperation of wanting to shield your children. When you brought up this poem, I did obviously, because we're talking about viral um, poetry, yeah. I searched it on Twitter because that's where, you know, viral yeah. things live. To me, after doing that, it's like good bones seem to be like the white woman anthem of optimism and this mm. poem is not optimistic to me at all you know I've read a lot of mm. people's comments like you know whenever I need comfort you know I turn to this poem like this poem gives me hope and all this stuff and um there's nothing uh, as far as I'm concerned uh very hopeful about this poem at all um which isn't mm. necessarily a bad thing but it it's kind of like you know, a sad pop song that has a really catchy tune to it. You know, you kind of, yeah. you're too busy tapping your foot to realize that it's a very sad song. <laughs> the privileged portion. I mean, there is, I, I think it's a fairly universal feeling that uh, parents want, or at least I would hope that parents do want to kind of shelter, protect their children in a lot of ways, want to keep certain knowledge about the world from them. Uh, I think that privilege comes in where by doing so, 
there are some parents who wouldn't be endangering their children by sheltering them, and then some that would be doing more harm by sheltering them. If you don't teach your children about, say, like some of the hatred out there in the world or about how they dress or who they are, then that is going to be much more harmful than actually telling them. You know, you can you can shelter them for so long, but I would rather be the one to tell my kids about certain dangers out there than having some stranger who actually hates them show them what that hatred is. Like, I think that privilege is a very important point to bring up in this. And I think a lot of this poem does, I, I don't wanna say cater, I, I, I don't wanna like imply that there's any kind of like intention behind the author's like reasoning for this, but there is that sort of sense that the audience for this poem, I don't know, would be as diverse as some of the other poems that I would like to see go viral. Let's just put it that way. I think I think it's a great poem on its own. Do I think it's a great poem that deserves to go viral to the extent that it did, where there's like Good Morning America type interviews or you know BBC reports or whatever it may be? It was on I don't a show know. Too, wasn't it? It was on. Uh, it was on a TV show. I think something like that got featured. Oh yeah, yeah. Some yeah. what's it like a medical or a law thing or something? And someone I, I don't know. It. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that once you've gone viral, then there's the desire to keep that uh, that energy flowing. And I I imagine that the getting a taste of being a viral poet sort of gave birth to the um, keep moving project, which uh, you know is similar to. Um, Rupi Kaur, Rupi. <laughs> Sweet, Rupi K. Rupi K. Hey, Rupi K. Um, you know, but this idea of um, you know cashing in on 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 the fact that you know a lot of people when they're when they're seeking uh, inspiration or comfort or motivation mm -hmm. um, that they're being given words that don't require. Uh, like the big literary treatment that we give normally to poems that they're you know they don't they they're they're giving something to you there's not much that you really there's not much work you need to do but receive mm -hmm. you know? and uh, a lot of people love that um and you know is it is it good poetry um to some people yeah like they they mm -hmm. love it and it's you know is it gateway poetry maybe to some you know who are mm -hmm. have an interest in poetry that that could open a door to mm -hmm. other works and delving deeper um, into the art of poetry, the craft of poetry. You know, just to go back, I will say like, you know, that line for every child loved, a child is bagged. You know, I feel like for every, mm -hmm. you know, white woman that loved this poem, there might be a POC <laughs> poet that side-eyed it a little bit. I love, I do love the line. I'm trying to sell them the world. Um, mm -hmm. Is you know, is a very, sad and unique line um but the to compare the world to a shithole apartment let's say you know or a house um for someone who may be living in poverty um you know it's, it's pretty insulting i think um because it's just you know there's a there's a disgust you know i think by using the word shithole um, and I get it's a metaphor, um, mm -hmm. but there's, you know, to use like, you know, this sort of like, ew, like disgusting living in a shithole 
and saying like, well, we could make this place beautiful, right? And I don't know. It just, it just reeks of of privilege to me in a way that I didn't catch the first time around. No, the the word shithole though, it is interesting. Like I think this was because it was early 2016. I think it was before the time when Trump was talking about quote unquote shithole countries. Right. So there is that word is now loaded in a different way, hmm. I think. Um, which is interesting that you brought that up. Um, but yeah, I there are things like I said about this poem that are the the rhythm's good and the music and the repetition there is a lot of poetic elements that I enjoy about it there is a certain I don't want to say surface quality but there is a little bit of that too like I said I don't think a poem could necessarily go viral or a line could go viral without there being some sort of simplicity Hmm. I don't know if I mean poetry is not popular as an art form generally speaking it's not something that is uh aspired to here in the U.S. let's say or even rewarded financially or rewarded in many ways here in the U.S. so I don't know if something that complicated could go viral I think something extremely well written could go viral but I don't think that necessarily equates as complexity Hmm. so I think some of the poems that I've been revisiting and examining some viral poetry there is that very surface familiarity and understanding that comes with the poem you get it immediately and it's so familiar and comforting to know that there is someone else who thinks this or feels this or has this experience that it really does connect and I think that is such an amazing part of poetry itself if you can get past some of like people's hesitancy with poems but like with the viral poetry does kind of bridge that gap between the inaccessible poetry world and this image that some people may have of it versus like oh I get this and I think you and I had talked about or you had brought up kind of like the hallmark card when it comes to like occasion poems and things like that needing that familiar even if it's cliche just something that you understand and get immediately good bones has that has that quality to it that yeah I could find lines like this in a card and feel comforted and want to give it to someone and I know they will understand it and be comforted as well you know I don't know if I agree entirely that the poem itself is cliche I think that what the poem has uh, much like the hallmark aisle (laughs) it is a catch-all sort of um a catch-all net uh, of it or you know as a reader you you know readers can be very selfish uh you know you want to center yourself into the text that you're reading um and it's easy to do uh with this poem I think for a lot of people um I I obviously I can relate to this I feel that Mm -hmm. sentiment I like I said I'm a white woman I'm a mom I I have the ability, I think, to to protect my kids to a certain extent um, that mm-hmm. other people don't. Um, and I I understand the fear and the despair uh, that comes with, you know, all these bad things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can center myself and whether it be, you know, whatever it is that's going on in my life, 
And so it's a win, you know, like, and I think, you know, we talk about timeless versus timely. The other thing that's really interesting about this is that it's vague enough, I think, that it will end up being a timeless poem because it will carry over to the next tragedy. It'll be the next, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like uh, reach to that people um, share again when they want something to give voice to that, you know, that feeling. Okay. There's actually a different poem I wanted to read. And, and so this poem's called um, uh, Buena Scalito. It's by Natalie Centers uh, Zapico. And um, it was published shortly after Maggie Smith's poem. Have you read this? I have not, no. Oh, um, so it was published like in uh, BuzzFeed. And it, it, it happened shortly after, and it was, it's a response poem to Maggie's poem. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it really quick. Life is short, and I tell this to mis hijas. Life is short, and I, t- and I show them how to talk to police without opening the door, how to leave the social security number blank on the exam. I tell this to mis hijas. The world tells them I hate you every day, And I don't keep this from Misihas because the bus driver who kicks them out onto the street for fair evasion, because I love Misihas. I keep them from men who'd knock their heads together just to hear the chime. Life is short and the world is terrible. I know no kind strangers in this country who aren't sisters a desert away. And I don't keep this from Misihas. It is not my job to sell them the world but to keep them safe in case I get deported. Our first landlord said with a bucket of bleach, the mold would come right off. He shook Misihas, said they had good bones for hard work. Mihas, could we make this place beautiful? I tried to make this place beautiful. So. I, so, okay, real quick, I, I, I was going to bring up this point at the end of Maggie Smith's poem about the line about any decent realtor, you know, it's, this says, I am trying to sell them the world. And it's like, you can make this place beautiful where the honest to make the world beautiful is on the kids where this poem is taking the responsibility of I've tried to make it beautiful, which I love because that was going to be one of the things I wanted to kind of point out and think about more about Maggie Smith's poem is that you know, why, why isn't the responsibility on us as adults to make the place beautiful and not trying to sell them on anything? And uh, I think about, I think a lot about <laughs> the scene with Greta Thunberg, where she's like criticizing like adults for not doing enough or like these world leaders, like, you know, how dare you and why? Are, and like, people are like clapping and applauding and still not doing shit. And it just cracks me up, you know, it's like, congratulations, you've shared that speech or that little, you know, meme worthy moment. And like, so what now? Like, just because you applauded her as an adult doesn't mean you've done anything per se, like what happens next? Like, she is criticizing you for not doing enough. I don't know if clapping about that is the right response. Like, maybe you should just sit silently and feel bad. (laughs) Like, I don't know. So I feel a little bit of that here at the end where it's like, you know, I'm I get I get that instinct to shelter your kids and want to keep them safe and I just kids in general I feel like adults and the you know congress and governments and all that just kind of shit on kids in general 
And I wish everyone did everything they could to make kids feel safe and protected. But yeah, it is on the adults and it is on us and it is on people who have authority and power and money and all that. So I, the um, you could make this place beautiful line is a little bit of a conflicting line for me. <laughs> I, you know, that's a really good point, though, because I mean, this you could see that this poem, uh, Maggie Smith's poem, uh, is sort of the antithesis of so many social movements that are happening right now that are so centered on of delivering hard truths um, and just just the disgust and and just kind of you know everyone's so tired of of politicians and their platitudes and their you know their prayers thoughts and prayers and um, mm. you know just empty speeches and things that that really do nothing um, mm -hmm. so for that I mean it's it's kind of like well then what does this poem achieve that's really concrete in any way? When I found, um, you know, the the poem that I just read, um, uh, Buen Esquilito is, I, it kind of, I was just like, you know, I, I understand why this poem didn't go viral. It's too specific, you know, it's about immigration. Not everybody can relate. But it was, you know, a pushback to say, mm -hmm. you know, good for you. And you're nice. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, it's very nice. And, you know, it's a, it's very much like you would hear uh, any nice polished politician say, um, aside from maybe shithole. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just like, you know, this is not reality. It's just not. Um, and it might be your reality, but it's not everyone's reality. So it's fascinating to me. Uh, you know, that this went viral. There's just, there's poems that go viral that, that I think just make sense. And then I think there are other poems that go viral that just hit, you know, it's like right time, right place, mm -hmm. right event, you know, all the stars aligned and boom, you know, it, and mm -hmm. there it comes. And, you know, just because you win the lottery doesn't mean you're good at making money. <laughs> So it's. <laughs> I need that on like a t-shirt. This is what I would consider like winning the lottery for a poet, and mm -hmm. I and I think it's you know it it definitely was a huge springboard for her career, and good for her, you know, um, that's yep. great. Um, I don't think it's a poem that I would turn to again and again, um, but like I said, if we're you know if we want to talk about Rupi Kaur or whatever, um, the people who love that kind of stuff. It, I think that this poem um, might be a a little bit because it's just like a tad longer. It's not, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like little Insta poems or whatever, but it's not unlike a Rupi Kaur poem. Um, it pretty mm -hmm. much contains all of the same elements that uh, a Rupi Kaur poem has, which is just, you know, this idea to sort of motivate and uplift um while also uh you know lamenting over you know certain situations and stuff and it's like I don't know it's like a formula right like you're just taking like whatever something that makes you feel bad and you can craft language in a certain way that's vague and general enough that uh it can be easily digested by the masses mm -hmm. and um yeah I think that's 
that's like the claim to fame for Rupi Kaur. And I think, like I said, uh, not to belabor the point of Maggie Smith's uh, Keep Moving project. I, I don't know because I, I don't know if she calls those poems or not, but um, I think it's more of a project. But she, mm-hmm. uh, I think she's smart. I think she knows what people want to hear. Um, and so she is cashing in on that after what happened with her viral poem. Yeah, I think I think if the Keep Moving project came before this poem. Oh, really? I don't think. No, no. I'm saying if uh, Keep oh. Moving was written before Good Bones or Good Bones, I don't think Keep Moving would have necessarily became a book. I think it would have been something that stayed on Twitter and was uh, something that Maggie Smith used as. I, I I don't exactly recall what the catalyst was. I and I don't want to get too biographical with it or kind of do anything or say anything mean spirited and what Maggie Smith was going through when she was writing Keep Moving Poems. But I think whatever she was processing during that time was great for Twitter. It was it was these small short little bursts, these little lines and. Uh, I think some of them are great. I think some of them were, you know, giant shrug. Uh, but I think it was a great thing to be able to do. It was almost like an experiment or like you said, a project. And I think for that technology and that medium, I think it was perfect. And I think it's great. Would it have been a book if she wasn't a viral poet? I really don't think so. Here's the thing. Okay. So to go back to social media and, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, our own, I know, I know that over over the years, I've indirectly curated my own echo chamber of, you know, with all of the different algorithms, all of the mm-hmm. friends that I have, whether it's Facebook or the people I follow on Twitter or whoever follows me, um, you know, I have over time curated, you know, this chamber of my own that, mm-hmm. um, and we all have, right? Um, Maggie Smith, the Maggie Smith phenomenon is, is so fascinating to me because, you know, if, uh, good bones and keep moving, um, that general sentiment has crossed over, um, she sort of toes the line between the Rupi 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 core, um, people, the audience, um, and, and, the liter literal like literacy poets um so what's happening which is fascinating is i think you know while the the literacy poets or the academic poets are you know thumbing their nose um, whatever to rupee core um they're praising maggie smith because she has had this viral poem she's she hasn't had she had you know she was in the I guess general sense of the world word uh, was successful in her own right before the poem went viral. Right, she had mm-hmm. other books. I'm oh, not- she has a her book. I reviewed one of her books of poetry, and I thought it was great. I thought yeah. like Maggie Smith is like undeniably a talented writer. Yeah, like, Maggie so Smith can write a great poems. She was, you know, she was in in sort of that world. Um, mm-hmm. And now I think, you know, she has sort of brilliantly um, towed the line between both Mm -hmm. where I think someone in my echo chamber of, of like poetry land could be 
tricked into liking some of these things that I know she is kind of putting out there to pander to a different type of reader. I know there are a lot of people who can sort of, you know, toe the line between like street poetry and academic poetry um, mm -hmm. and kind of like, you know, that they're they're not, you know, super, they're like, they didn't get their MFA, but they are working mm -hmm. it. And they're successful. Like she's doing something that I can't think of anybody else, which is, is being like highly respected. You know, I don't want to go back to the, the privilege part of it, but like, we're talking about a woman who, you know, bragged about her two day turnaround acceptance to poetry magazine. Oh. Um, and, <laughs> and got pushed back for that. I remember. Yes, but people were mad. <laughs> yeah, she's, you know, she has, she is um, top of the heap now, like top of the heap mm -hmm. in the poetry world. And yet, you know, she put out a book of complete, vapid cats, <laughs> like a coffee table junk book, and is praised by her peers for it. I hate the fact that a negative criticism or constructive criticism even has been so taboo that it's automatically viewed as an attack. Like I can lovingly criticize <laughs> like, and I think it makes for better, for better I'm writing. hundred percent jealous. If I could throw out a coffee table book, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of platitudes and get a lot of money and completely cash out of this miserable life of poetry, I would do it in a heartbeat. I think we all would. If, if it, like you said, I think if it hadn't gone viral, um, would it get the same treatment, you know, that other poems probably deserve more, you know, that kind of thing. I, mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't, I think it's just a right place, right time. And she was able to kind of spin and riff off of it and, you know, make mm -hmm. a really great for herself and good for her. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, I, I do love that poem that you read in response to Good Bones. I think that it should always be paired with Good Bones because I think that's an important voice to be heard. And I think a person can like both poems. I think it's, you know, it's not an impossibility to say Good Bones. Good Bones. Why do I keep saying Bones? <laughs> I feel like I was like Good Bones. Good Bones. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think what happened is 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 incredible because um we should always be having conversations, right? Mm -hmm. So like that these, you know, this poem wasn't written, I don't think, in disrespect to Maggie Smith. I think it was just a response poem to kind of mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you see something go viral and and you are um of the of a group that or a population or you know, or it's just, it's just not relatable to you and you can't understand mm -hmm. why everybody is like going mad over something, um, you know, why not, what better than write a response poem that is so poignant and so uh, just heartbreaking and real mm -hmm. and raw and, and full of those hard truths, like I said, mm -hmm. earlier, that I think we're all, you know, this is the time we're of the times where we talk hard truths. We don't want platitudes. Like we don't mm -hmm. want these sort of vague um, notions of hope. 
Like we want to hear real stories and we want to deal with them. Did When I did a little bit of research on this, I came upon an article by uh, Kelly Russell Ogden and she explored kind of the phenomenon of viral poems and kind of how or the why of them. And one of the things she pointed out was uh, timing. So this, uh, like you had already discussed, I think this poem came out a few days or even like a day after the Orlando shooting. And so I think there is that timing obviously played a big part in that. I think, and I'm, I'm always curious, like if it would have came out at a different time, would people have shared it as much? Like if this was just a very average day in a very average week in a very average month, would this have gone viral? And I don't know, it's, it's always a curious thing. Like what is that kind of a little bit of, you know, you got talent, you got publication, and then you get like just that hint of luck that is gonna make it spark. And like, it's, it's really interesting to see like, where the poem is, where it went, and why, and all that. So I do think that timing was the big, big key here. And I'm almost curious to know when Maggie Smith actually wrote the poem itself, and what was kind of the catalyst for that. You know, I think everybody is trying to sort of write that anthemic uh, poem that contains all the same qualities that would, you know, that would achieve, you know, the same sense of going viral or whatever um well you know i i don't want to come back to rupee rupee k here okay um, i don't want to belabor a point that i already made but um there was a well shall we say uh poet twitter personality this week that um that mentioned that rupee was um performing in her town or their town, um, and, uh, and kind of mocked her and all the, you know, a lot of the poets, you know, of the, of the academic sort of circles and her own echo chamber of getting, mm -hmm. um, you know, the responses that she wanted probably, which is that, you know, gross, you know, rupee, blah, 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 mm -hmm. so bad. It's not even poetry, this and that. Um, it made me really curious about whether or not if Maggie was taking her keep moving, um, you know, her also viral, um, you know, it depends on your package it, right? Like Rupi is mm -hmm. packaging her, um, her poems as, or her, her words as poems, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know how um, Maggie packages keep moving, but if she was, um, doing some kind of like <laughs> auditorium uh circuit and mm -hmm. you know going and speaking um all over the world which i think the rupee is doing like world tour um yeah. with maggie's good bones um not good bones keep moving um viral project mm -hmm. get the same treatment as rupee is mm -hmm because Maggie has sort of this uh, validation from the literary world that she has not received the same level of distaste for her key mm -hmm. project than that like Rupi is with her poems that are very similar uh, mm -hmm. affirmations, platitudes, uh, generalizations of the world, uh, mm -hmm. you know, broken relationship poems, um, 
you know, just things to motivate you and, and to uh, help people sort of rise out of their, you know, bad experiences. I mean, it's all very the mm -hmm. same uh, formula. Yeah, I think the, it, it's kind of interesting because like you said, I think kind of the message and the themes are fairly similar. Um, I think as far as quality goes, they're pretty on par as far as, at least from most of what I've seen, which is, I, I haven't read it per se. I haven't read the Keep Moving Project and I haven't read a full Ruby K book, but I've seen bits of both and I feel like they're pretty, pretty solidly like kind of like cousins, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think the audience is getting the same thing, even though the demographic seems to be different. I would say uh, Rupee's audience, I think, is smaller, not smaller, <laughs> younger. A bit of a young, definitely not smaller. smaller. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, I believe it might be a little bit of a younger crowd. I think there's a lot of teens, a lot of young adults. Uh, I think with Maggie Smith's work, I think it's a little older than that, a little more older than young adult, more family aged, if you will. As far as that person of some esteem and clout who is crapping on Ruby K, I think, I think it's such a garbage tweet that they wrote. Uh, refused to even call him a poet, said poem person. And I think that kind of gatekeeping, like elitist crap is nonsense. I hate it. I hate it so much like of course there are things that I like and don't like uh but to call someone who is uh not a poet and not even refer to them as a poet just calling them poem person dismissively uh, mocking what they're wearing in an advertisement like I think Rupi K is running in a very different circle and has a very different image and very different type of handling of her brand than any one of us Rupi could definitely be um, kind of the future of of how poetry is ingested. Uh, and like I said, we we're we're you know we have several generations, but you and I are of the generation of like I said, sort of like one leg in analog, one leg <laughs> in digital. Um, whereas you know this other po person, I think, is a little bit older, um, or I don't know, older definitely, um, and. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's very, very hard for people to wrap their head around uh, big success uh, stories like Rupi and, mm -hmm. and take their words seriously. And I think, you know, I guess it just kind of comes down to taste. I wish I knew less about poets, to be honest, like their biographies or their personal thoughts on Rupi K or things like that, because it just makes me not like them as people a lot of times. And that makes me sad. And I think the person who is crapping on Rupi K like has a um, uh, like spoken word background. I think they've done some spoken word, which is a form that gets shit on by academic poets too. So I'm like, it, it's strange that now that you've uh, elevated to a certain more like academic tenure kind of position that you are now shitting on a different form that maybe you don't completely understand or respect. And it just doesn't seem overly gen generous with that kind of platform and like I mean Rupi is probably a millionaire so they have a certain kind of privilege and all yeah. that but at the same time it just I don't know like 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 for us I feel like no matter who we target we're punching up like, <laughs> like that's the, one of the great spots the bottom, of the the bottom of the barrel <laughs> but it yeah. just feels so ungenerous and then it gives people permission to also talk shit and make fun of what Rupi K is wearing in this ad and 
oh yeah go and live tweet it that would be hilarious like i don't think it's that hilarious like fine make fun of people like kudos to you like all your ten thousands of hundreds of thousands of followers and all these like people that worship you can praise you and kiss your ass and you can be mean like good job way to go internet <laughs> uh, i am i am ready i am ready and uh, since it was my pick i will say uh good bones by maggie smith i i reread it and it's been a little bit and i remember first reading it and liking it i still like it i think it does hold up uh shockingly i don't know it's so hard to be able to hold up against how much kind of hype and swirl surrounds the thing but i i think it did a great job and i really do think it captures a feeling that will stick with me for a very very long time and we can talk about craft elements that work in it craft elements that might not work in it uh, but I think what definitely works and sticks and really makes an impact is that general feeling that this poem conveys. And I think it does it so, so successfully. So I toast Good Bones by Maggie Smith. It is just one of those poems that it really does capture this conflict that like I, I feel I would I would sell, I want to sell the world to my kids too. Sometimes I just want to be able to lie and say, you know what? Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be fine. There's that certain element of like, you know, what is called like toxic positivity, right? Like, oh, this is not that bad. We can make this, you know, this is going to be great. And I get that. And I get that criticism. I also want to toast that other poem that you read too, because I think that's a fucking brilliant response. Uh, but I want to toast them both in conjunction as a pair, because I think both are necessary. And I think the conversation, the response makes Good Bones even more interesting as a poem. I'm going to agree with you on the sense that I I actually, I do like the poem. I think it's a good poem. Um, I This is a really difficult toast or roast, because I feel like that context matters. Um, and so we're talking in the context of viral poems um, and, you know, this poem's success story. And so, um, you know, I, as much as I do really like this poem, um, I, I, I like, I like what it's been able to achieve. I am in awe that it got so far as it did, even on TV and made lots of news articles and, and that is so much um, like such a success story that so many other poems deserve. Uh, but I will say having read it again um, with a more critical eye while being timeless uh, and being vague enough to stand the test of time, I do think it alienates just too many people who may not be participating in social media. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is something that can trick people. I think, you know, social media can trick you into thinking something is really, really great when in fact, there's a lot of silent voices who disagree. And so mm -hmm. having read, um, you know, having read um, uh, the response poem by uh, Natalie Zunter, Zunter's uh, Zapico, uh, I felt like, I was a little bit slapped in the face and realizing that not everybody has this story. Not everybody has the same privilege. Mm -hmm. I've already said this all, so I'm just going to have to, you know, say I roast. I roast. <laughs> I roast. Yeah. Oh, I like, I definitely can see the criticisms of this. I do think, I think there is a little bit of like, 
uh, like self anesthetic quality to it, where it's like you just need an escape for the world. So it's like good bones, just just inhale that. Like like I said, like in conjunction with that response poem, I think it makes for one of the most fascinating reads. Like That's pairing those two and really looking at it closely, and like I I don't I don't think like you have to hate one to like the other. I think. I think Good Bones is a good poem, and I think the criticism against it is completely valid. Mm. So I just, I love that conversation that it brings up. I love the, I love that response, and I love a lot of the things that the response does. If I had, um, I'll have to look at the poem more closely, because I'm sure I can cite things specific, but like, it definitely is more powerful like after having just read Good Bones and then hearing that response, it's like, oh yeah, it all really does make sense. And that's all really good points. And it's, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I would never want to share Good Bones without sharing that response, Paul. Next show, um, we will, uh, we're gonna talk about a listener suggested poem, which is from Jory Mickelson. Mickelson. Jory that's Mc- right um, Jory Jory is a, a floating bridge poet right floating bridge press poet. correct yeah they are uh the author of wilderness kingdom which won our evergreen award tour um it is a fantastic full-length debut from Jory um and so yeah next time uh, if someone comments on that video where we discuss the uh, suggested poem, I can definitely send out a copy or two of Jory's book. So. Yeah, that would be awesome. And you sent me a copy as well. Yes, I, I did. Yeah, so I'm so excited. Um, and uh, Jory suggested several poems, um, So, but we'll just pick one out of the list and maybe we'll go back and, and pick another. But um, we're going to talk next time about Caitlin Gildrian's uh, poem, These Violent Delights Have Violent Ends, which uh, first appeared in Rattle, I guess. So that- Hooray, let's do it. I I haven't read that poem, so I am excited. I don't even think I've heard of the poet. So this will be brand new everything. I don't even know if I pronounced the name right. (laughs) That's that's its own theme for us, is just us mispronouncing things. So, so, okay, everybody, thank you for being here and listening. Uh, Like, subscribe send us emails send us money let us know what poems we should read or poets to interview like do all those fun things tell us yeah if you want at table for deuce at gmail.com and we will read your emails and send us nice things or send us mean things and then we'll read that and mock you on the show <laughs> like whatever you feel like doing. or agree it's with fun. you with it. <laughs> or agree or agree be like yeah you're right we came across as assholes. <laughs> it's true. Our apologies. <laughs> so let us know. So once again, table for deuce at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next time. All right. Keep moving. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say with all that is that um <laughs> Thank you.
but it's a little bit of a narcotic of a poem. It's just like I just sit back and inject some sweet Maggie Smith and then, you know, just fade away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm saying anymore. <laughs> <laughs>